This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. My name is Mike Keith, and this is one of the rare editions of the OTP where Amy Wells is not present because we are recording right after the Friday practice on August the 21st. Amy Wells doing work for NFL Network, and we're very proud of her doing that. But it gives us a chance to welcome in Coach Dave McGinnis and Rhett Bryan in pinch-hitting roles. For It takes two people to replace Amy Wells. No doubt. We still can't replace Amy. <laughs> what he said. So good to be here at Nissan Stadium for a practice today to watch this team sort of wrap up the first week of full pads work. Dave McGinnis, your thoughts on the whole week? Well, I think the whole week culminated in, in this practice today, and it's exactly what Mike Vrabel wanted to do. I've said before on various of our outlets here, I'm really impressed with the organization as to what he's done in this very, very different type of training camp that we're going to have. They, they hit the ground running when they came out. Everything is highly organized. It's very precise. And this today, he was able to get a lot of things done. The crowd noise that they piped in here I thought was very good. The energy at this practice was excellent. This is a great way to cap the week off. What's the story on the crowd noise? Is that something we're going to have through the course of the season, Red? I believe it is, and in fact, I got an email from uh, the NFL late last night saying that actually our broadcast would be provided with that. So, yes, it is something that's going to be, uh, I think, 32 teams wide. So everybody will kind of be standard then. Is Yeah. That's interesting. Why, what do you think, just to give it a flow, a feel? A feel. And I had that feel up here today. I mean, we all, we all commented when we were up here in the broadcast booth watching practice today. It felt like a game. I mean, there was nobody in here, but everything that, that came off. And, and let's be honest, and I know all of our listeners feel like this too. You know, this game is an emotional game. It's an emotional game. And the crowd is a huge part of that emotion. I like the way they did it today. It didn't seem as artificial as I thought it might. Mike, the first most normal thing I've done in six months was go to the first Titans training camp practice at St. Thomas Sports Park. Today at Nissan Stadium, the second most normal thing. Yes, no fans, but between the simulated elements and, as, as Coach Max says, the energy, the, the piped-in noise, and just how well run it is because you know that Mike Vrabel – knows exactly what he wants to do in this thing, knows that these young guys, these undrafteds and his draft class, did not have and will not have an opportunity to play in four preseason games. So this is the most realistic it's going to be before we get to September the 20th against Jacksonville. And so he wanted them to go through all of their paces in this and driving to the stadium, coming into the tunnel, getting into the locker room, and all of the things that lead up to kickoff. That's exactly right. I mean, he wanted them to experience it because a professional football player, the one thing that they all crave, they, they, they crave consistency, and they, they, they crave 
being able to know exactly what's going to happen because their focus on game day is so much on what's going to go on for three hours. They don't want any distractions. And so they crave normalcy. They crave knowing exactly what their routine is going to be. This was a big step towards just what Rhett was talking about, Mike. Creatures of habit. That's what we are, and that's what they are. Felt like the defense closed the week strong, Dave McGinnis. They really did. We're sitting up here watching it and just commenting on some some things. Now, look, this is a veteran defense. This defense, you know, and, and we can't give away what we see, what they're doing against our offense. But I thought Jayon Brown today had an excellent, excellent practice. His practice today, I really enjoy watching he and Rashawn Evans work together now. You know, and that's something, you know, that symbiotic relationship that linebackers behind the ball have to have, it's just about like the connection that a quarterback and a receiver has to have. They sometimes have to know where each other are and what they're going to do without talking about it. I love the way those two are working together. Keith Bullock has always talked about, so he came to the Titans and Jim Schwartz coached him and then Gunther Cunningham coached him and then you coached him. And he always talked about, one of the things is all of those coaches were perfect at those moments in time. At the moment you came in, Keith said he needed Mac. He said, to go to a different level, I needed Coach Mac. For these two linebackers, the starters, and for David Long as well, how important is the timing of the arrival of Jim Hazlitt for them at this point in their career? Well, Haz is, is going to bring a different element than Tyrone did. I mean, he really is just because of where he is. I mean, Jim Hazlitt is a 30-plus year coach in the National Football League, and his ability that he's gone on, Mike, he's been a head coach, he's been a coordinator, but now he's able to refocus as a linebacker coach. You know, he's able to do that, and that's extremely important. I made that move in my career. I went from a head coach, and then I, then I went back and concentrated on linebackers. You get a different perspective of it, too. You really do, and you can impart that to your players as to where their role encompasses the entire team, as to when you're just a position coach and you've never been a head coach or coordinator, sometimes it's hard to get the bigger picture just because you haven't done it before. It's a great time in their career to, to go from Tyrone to now has. You talked today about uh, Jayon Brown. Talk to me about what you've seen from Rashawn Evans so far. Rashawn Evans is becoming a leader out there on that on that defense. He is so comfortable in his own skin now. But the thing that I like, he's a technique perfectionist because that was something that he needed to work on, especially early when he came in here because they rushed him quite a bit, you know, at Alabama. And playing behind the ball in the National Football League is so much about training your eyes and pre-snap reads and being able to get an idea of what's going on tackle to tackle before the ball's even snapped. He he works at it. He works at that. And then you can see him start to direct traffic out here now. And and the thing that, that, that comes to my mind, when I watch linebackers and they're able to transition from run to pass very quickly and then get to the right spots, ahead of the blocks that are coming at them, that's when I know they're moving at a different level and they've taken their mental game to a different level. That's what he's done this year. Red, who has grabbed you on defense over the course of the week? I thought this young man had a good week, and he ended it today good. And that's Chris Jackson, the seventh rounder, uh, the corner from Marshall. He had at a play where um, Khalif Raymond had a corner route he ran. And Khalif Raymond still made the catch and had the first down. But Chris Jackson had excellent smothering-style coverage 
against a very small, fast receiver like that. I like to see those things. He didn't necessarily make the play, but he didn't make it easy for him to make the play. Chris Jackson, if he makes this team, is going to make it based on special teams as well, one would think. So, Coach Mack, I want to ask you, with no preseason games, how can you truly tell if a guy like Chris Jackson can help you on teams? Craig Ackerman is doing some very game-specific drills. And, again, we can't get into the drills that they're doing. But uh, all special teams coaches across the whole circumference of the National Football League this year, I've talked to several of them. They are having to, to redirect some of their drills because they are getting in game situation drills that you normally would get in preseason games. And so that's what has to happen. And your evaluation, it, it also has to be able to come from how quickly they can absorb the techniques. And that's extremely important because people don't realize there's a lot of technique that goes into playing special teams in the National Football League. And how quickly those guys can assimilate those techniques mentally and, and repeat them. Special teams is about two things. It's about effort. And it's about repetition. That's what you're looking for. Titans have a battle for the backup quarterback job. Logan Woodside and the newcomer Trevor Simeon. Can we tell much about Trevor Simeon yet, Rhett? Through due practices, I, I don't think so. I mean, certainly you can in terms of how he carries himself. You can tell he's had some time under his belt, unlike a Logan Woodside has. Just those things. But I, I need to see him in a larger sample before I can say, definitively yes he is you know a over b right you know how i am about being an ie an instant evaluator and we haven't seen him we haven't seen him be able to do to do that enough but the one thing i did notice in all of the throwing drills you know the, the seven on seven in the team he's decisive with the ball the ball comes out of his hand and that's important and that's a big thing that you want out of the backup quarterback if he has to go in the game you need him to be able to pick up and go quickly and to be able to jump in. And this is a guy who started and backed up in the National Football League. And that's a big, big factor, Mike, and it's extremely important. You can't manufacture experience and the ability to get the ball out of your hand. It may not have, it doesn't have to be the most dynamic throw, but be decisive with it. I've seen that. If guys are getting positive grades on week one, Corey Davis has to be at the top of the list too, Rhett, especially because he just came off PUP. And I think when you had his media availability earlier, you could tell they, had, you know, someone asked him about not having the fifth year option picked up on him, and you could tell that it was a disappointment to him. You could tell that is a driver in this final contract year for him right now, and he has channeled that into fuel, and he has done well coming off a of PUP, off of a toe surgery. I thought he had a great week, very decisive with stab catches. And, and physicality that you have seen from him in years previous. This will really amp up this offense if he can just reach a level of productivity. He doesn't have to lead the league in receptions, but a level of productivity that we all expected from him early on, and he's got the capability of doing. This will take this offense. This will ramp this offense up. You know, with those three receivers that we have, if they are continuing to be healthy throughout the year, the layers that Arthur Smith is going to be able to present to opposing defenses will be fun to watch. And using the different pieces in ways that they can be effective, like Anthony Ferkser. Anthony Ferkser at the tight end position, 
Several good catches during the course of the week. Another good touchdown catch today. Yeah, Anthony Ferkser is, is a guy that is and, – and the trust is a huge word with Anthony Ferkser and the quarterback. You know, Tannehill trusts him to be where he's supposed to be. He trusts him to make the right cuts off of the right foot at the right time because timing is so important, especially at that position, Mike, because that position is closer to the cylinder, and what goes on closer to the cylinder, it's all about timing. The further you get away from cylinder throwing the football, the longer – time you have to let it develop. When you're close to the cylinder, timing is essential. Ferkser and the and Ryan Tannehill, they have that timing and trust. Why did John Robinson go out and get tight end Jeff Swaim? It's a big inline blocking tight end, and if you're going to be an outside zone-centric football team, which they are, there are going to be certain times when you're going to have to line up that edge to secure the edge. You hear Mike Vrabel talk on the defensive side all the time about setting the edge. You've got to be able to have somebody on your offensive side that can stretch the edge because that's what the outside zone is all predicated on. The quicker you can stretch the edge, the better the cutback seams become. And there's going to come a time, which we saw in the playoffs, as to where they said, we're lining up and we're running the outside zone. Put as many people as you want in the box until you get to 11 because that's all you can have and we're still going to run it. For both of you, Rhett first, could the Titans keep four tight ends on the 53? I mean, my initial thought is yes, they could. I mean, you never know about numbers, how those things end up, but yeah, they could. I say absolutely yes, and I also say with the six vested veterans that you can keep on your practice squad this year, that might happen too. And it changes so much with the COVID-19 and understanding you might have to call up somebody 90 minutes before the game. The quality of the player on the practice squad in terms of readiness to play in 2020 is vastly different than the readiness of a player to play on most practice squads in most years. Well, I mean, it goes back to when I first started in this league, and you had what they called the taxi squad. <laughs> and it was called the taxi squad because you'd hide them out in the hotels and they'd take a taxi to come to practice when you needed them. And that's where the name came from. But when you have vested veterans that are sitting and waiting, then you're – ability to be able to insert them quickly because they're going to practice with you all week to insert them quickly if you're not going to be able to have who your starters or even your your primary backups you know active that day that's a big point for this year you said something interesting Dave McGinnis on our live look in at training camp and we're going to do another one on Sunday morning and those are sponsored by our friends at Pinnacle Financial but you said something when we were talking about Isaiah Wilson, the first-round pick at right tackle, and we were discussing his readiness to play. You made the point, hey, this is Dennis Kelly's job right now. Why do you feel that strongly, and what does Isaiah have to get better at, and where does he have to get to in order to really threaten for that job at some point in the near future? Well, I mean, it is Dennis Kelly's job to begin with because this offense is at another level. I mean, if he was coming into an offense, Mike, that was really struggling to find their identity and figure out who they are, it might be different because then you would take a guy that's got, you know, really big talent and say, you know what, you can just grow right along with this, and we might not be as good for a while, but this offense, Offense is is one of the top offenses in the league right now. Dennis Kelly has been an important part of this offense. Isaiah Wilson will will move into it. At a certain point, his ability and then his knowledge will take over. But until that comes, he's in an ideal situation for himself. If if I'm coaching this football team and I've got Isaiah Wilson sitting there as a guy that can swing in there immediately to begin with, 
I'm in great shape knowing that sooner or later he's going to be that guy setting that money block on the edge out there. It's just going to take time. People need to be patient. He needs to be patient, and he needs to be observant. That's what he needs to do right now. Let's stay with first-round picks for a minute and talk about the 2019 first-round pick, Jeffrey Simmons. Rhett, what have you seen out of Big Jeff in training camp to this point? A redefined body style, a confidence with no brace on the knee, confidence in the knee, and just, uh, I think, a little more assertive demeanor than what you saw. You know, he's just finding his way through things as as late as he came into the picture, into the regular season. And you can tell that confidence, he exudes that confidence right now. And, you know, the physicality, it's all there. It's what you wanted. He's not thinking now. He was thinking about two things last year. When he, first of all, he was thinking about his knee number one, when he came in last year. And then he was thinking about, what am I supposed to do? He was thinking about those two things, and then he was was productive doing that. Now he's not thinking about either one of those things. He knows his knee is fine, and he knows what to do. We're going to see a real, real fun-to-watch Jeffrey Simmons this year. We know what we have in Daquan Jones playing right beside Jeffrey Simmons. When they go three down linemen, it looks like Jack Crawford is the other one. He was signed from Atlanta just came off the reserve COVID-19 list. Dave McGinnis, who is Jack Crawford in terms of style of play and what they got him to do? He's a knockback space eater you know, is what he is. He's a knockback, very solid, very physical football player. You know, he's not a, he's not a guy that's going to make a lot of plays, you know, outside of the cylinder. But what he is going to do, he is going to, he's going to collapse and he is going to constrict the cylinder where you're going to, he's going to help a lot of guys make a lot of other plays. And plus, he's played ball in this league. That is so important, you know, the, you know for our listeners to know. You've, when you've played ball in this league, it's just like coaching in this league. Once you've coached in this league for a while, you understand the environment that you're living in. He understands the environment of the National Football League. You like Lorel Murchison, the rookie defensive lineman, fifth-round pick out of NC State. I like him for a completely different reason. This is, this is a rookie, but here's what he does have. He's got great versatility. This guy's got some bendy to him, and he's also got some ability to flatten and get down the line of scrimmage. When you watched him at, at North Carolina State, they played him a couple of some, several different places, and he was very, very – he was he – was, he was dominant to the point that he was always moving to the football. This is not a stationary defensive lineman. And I know our listeners may say, well, what are you talking about, Coach Mack? Well, when you, you know, people are different. Tony Saragusa was a stationary defensive lineman. He ate up space. Vince Wolfrick was a stationary defensive lineman. They were massive. They ate up space. But then, you know, other people had to work around them. This guy here is a very he's, – he's a space – he can play in space, and that's important. And that's a guy that – Weighs in at 297. Does he weigh that much? Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Lorel Murchison, 6'2", 297. When you look at him, Mike, if you really if you watch him and look at him, he's got really, really stout, thick lowers, and that's where his movement comes from. Hmm. I didn't real. I guess I didn't realize he was that big. I thought he was about a 280 pound player. So that that really does make a lot of sense about being able to line up in different spots. The defense, and so much of it has been talked about, who's calling the defense? Who's running the defense? Who's making everything happen? Today, working here at Nissan Stadium, are they getting some feel for how they want to do it? I know they're not going to give away what they're doing, but is that part of why they came over here to do this? Big part of it. 
big part of it. Big part of deciding who's going to be up, who's going to be down. I mean, that's, you know, they've got a couple of new members to, for this staff that were learning game day operations here, just like all the, the new players were learning that. So the answer is yes to that, Mike. Absolutely yes. When you called defense, would you rather have been up or down on the sideline? Well, I called it from both places. I mean, I, I called it as a, as a head coach from the sideline, you know, when I, when I did that for a while. Uh, when I was a, a, a coordinator and not the head coach, I called it, you know, from the sideline. The thing that I, I I did when I was an assistant head coach, I was I was hooked up to all three all three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. And I can see some of the advantages of calling it from the box because your vision is so much better. If you call it from the field, you've got to have somebody you – I mean, it works both ways, Mike. If you call it from the field, you've got to have somebody you really trust as being your eyes upstairs. If you call it from the box, you've got to trust somebody to be your heart down there on the field and be able to feel what's going on with the players. All right, let's talk about that. When you were assistant head coach for Jeff Fisher, how much are you talking to both he and the coordinators – on both sides, and, and special teams about what's going on. How involved is the assistant head coach in that conversation? Well, me, constantly. And, and, and the thing about communications during a game with the headsets, you know, for our listeners, this is a little inside dive. You only have one person talking all the time, and you work. You go through that. This was part of what they were doing today. You go through that. You don't, you don't ever click in until the head coach says go. All right, and then if if I'm a defensive coach and the offense is on the field, then we go to our other channel. We can talk all we want until the head coach, who's got all three of them, can say, "Shut it off, shut it off." I want everybody to listen to what I'm saying here. So it's controlled, and it's controlled by the head coach. But the longer your staff is together, the more you get into a flow of how that works. Does Mike Vrabel have an assistant head coach on his staff? Well, Shane Bowen, it sounds okay. like to me, is, 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 is what Shane's doing right now. Up for the defense. Yes. But he doesn't have a Dave McGinnis type of guy over everything. I don't see that guy, you know, right now, you know, on the staff. And, I mean, I, I, I know his staff. Sure. I don't know how he how – he quali- I, I, I know this. When I was an assistant head coach all those years for Jeff Fisher, you know, there were a lot of times when Jeff was not able to be there or do some things. Well, then, you know, I was the guy. All right. Uh, I don't know who that guy is, you know, for Mike Vrabel. John Stryker, Rhett, when when people hear Stretch, that's what his nickname is. Who is John Stryker to Mike Vrabel? He's not the assistant head coach, but he fills some of that role, right? He does. I, I think he is more of – he's Mike Vrabel's ops manager. I think that is what you would call him because from anything to music that's played at practice – to scheduling interviews, to anything he needs football-wise, he handled. There's no telling what the laundry list of things he handles for Coach Mike Vrabel. But I would say he was he's an operations manager. I really like Stretch. I respect him. I mean, that kind of guy. I mean, I would have loved to have had Stretch with me. I can see why, you know, Mike Vrabel, why he's his right-hand guy doing a lot of things. Mike, when, let, let me talk about a story that I don't think is talking out of turn. When you and I go in to do the, uh, the production meeting with Mike Vrabel on Fridays during the season, and we sit out there and wait until he's ready, and Stretch's desk is right there. So you remember the time, and Stretch is always watching tape. I can remember it vividly, and I'm going I'm to bring this up to Stretch next time I'm socially distanced enough where I can talk to him. He was sitting there watching tape of Georgia, and I, and I, and I got a, leaned over and I said, Stretch, who are you watching? He said, Mac. Look at this one. He was watching Isaiah Wilson. I remember that so clearly. Now, Stretch, is, Stretch wears a lot of hats. Uh, much respect 
for stretch from my point of view because I know as a head coach how valuable that person is. Stretch will be a general manager someday. Stretch's role, too, on game day, part of it has to do with replay. No, absolutely. And, and that, that is huge. And, and that's an important thing for the head coach to have, Rhett, is that person who is detached enough and has enough information to say, hey, coach, challenge it or don't challenge it. Right. It's like Coach Mack just said, trust, implicit, and knowing that if Stretch tells me in my headset, hey, you need to look at this, I'm not going to question it. You trust him. He is your extra set of eyes. Every year I coached from the press box, as soon as instant replay came in, I was always the instant replay guy in the box. I always have been, always was, and it's important. I mean, Jeff Fisher trusted me implicitly. I mean, I, I can remember all the times that we were doing it, the first thing he would say is, Mac, that's all he'd have to say. And I'd either say, I'd either say yes or no. Yes means challenge it. No meant let it go. And that's hard because everybody's emotional in those moments that person, Dave McGinnis for Jeff Fisher or John Stryker, stretch for Mike Vrabel, you can't be emotional. No, no, you cannot be, and you've got to be removed from it, and that's where experience comes in. You know, stretch might be a young dude, but he's experienced. He's very experienced. And, and, and plus, the other thing is, is you've, I, just, I did it for so long. You just, you've got to be decisive, and you've got to be comfortable enough in your own skin because sometimes you're going to be wrong, and if you're wrong, you can't completely melt. You have said consistently you're very impressed with this staff. What what impresses you so about the Titans staff? Nobody steps on anybody else. And and, and the, the the ego of this staff is zero. Is zero. They're they're really good teachers and you can tell that they work very, very well. To me, the big thing is is when you watch offensive line and defensive line work together, you know, sometimes, you know, one's trying to one up the other. When you just watch this staff, they are they're they're, they're absent any type of ego, but they're all Excellent, excellent teachers. And a lot of that, too, Mike, stems from the head coach because there's one guy in charge of all of this, and it's the head coach. And as long as and everybody understands that, they also understand how he wants his football team coached. He's going to let them be their individual selves in doing it, but he wants them all to coach this football team with certain goals and certain avenues in mind. When a, when a staff is, is on the same level like that, you can recognize it at practice. You can recognize sometimes when pra- uh, staffs are disjointed. This is a very well-put-together staff. Rep Brian, what differences, if any, do you see in Mike Vrabel in year three? I think if it's anything, and he's been very deliberate from the first day he walked into the building, knowing what he wants. But now that he's been around the block a couple of times, he's coached in, what, 35 games, including playoffs as head coach. Um, I'm sure he has studied and looked back at his own notes he kept and things he might have wanted to do differently. But I, he, he knows time is of the essence, especially in a year with a pandemic and no preseason games, a shortened offseason, a virtual offseason, and he knows exactly from one item 1 to 100 exactly what he wants to do. And it goes back to the, what Coach Mack said about having staff that you trust to handle and delineate these things and delegate to these people. But I, he knows what he wants to do. He also knows the people in the building now. He knows who he can trust in the building, and that's big. I mean, it's huge. I mean, I, I became a head coach after 15 years in the league, and there's still a lot of things, you know, that, that, that you have to learn. I mean, it, it's just different. It's different when you've got that big corner office. But he understands his building, which is extremely important. He knows 
who he can lean on in the building for a lot of different things. And I, I'm removing it from the football staff. I'm talking about everybody else. I mean, he knows he can trust you, Mike Keith. And for a head coach, that's big. That's huge. I mean, I'm just telling you from my aspect of it, from going through it, how I went through it, people that you can trust, the support staff, that's big. That's huge because you can't do it all. So the Titans have the testing period in late July. They have the acclimation period in early August. They have a period of what amounts to OTA-type practices. Then on the 17th, this past Monday, they start full pads practice. A week of that is done. They're they're off tomorrow. They'll restart on Sunday. No preseason games to look forward to. Practices can be longer now, and obviously they can have, I, I guess, 10, 11 more in pads. So my question is, how do you keep it interesting if you're Mike Vrabel knowing there's no game to look forward to still for three more weeks? Well, the first thing that keeps them interested, they know they have a good football team. This football team is eager to get back. This football team was very disappointed that they didn't get a chance at the Super Bowl. I mean, you feel that. You feel that in the building. The building was disappointed. At the same time, they're realistic enough to, to know, and it comes from Mike Vrabel and John Robinson's leadership, We've got work to do to even get back to that point. He will not have any problem keeping them interested in this because they know they know. last year, Mike, when you've got a football team that the vast majority of them experienced going from two and four to the AFC championship game, they understand that what Mike Vrabel is going to ask them to do gives them a chance to get there and be successful. They won't be disinterested. I think they're very excited about what's going on. The other thing is they work every day to get better, and that's important. I don't see anybody going through the motions out here just saying, well, the first two preseason games, I'm a vet. I'm not going to play. So these last two or three practices, you know, I'm going to practice like that. That's not what happened out here. And it goes back to my answer to your last question about what do I see different in him? How many practices have you seen now where ain't nobody standing around with their hands on their hips? I mean, it's it's something constantly. It's a three-ring circus, and you better pay attention, and you better be ready to go into your next drill. No time to waste. And so that'll keep you interested if you want to keep a job. Or you get the Mike Vrabel experience. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. I, I know. <laughs> I pointed that out to you a little bit today up here. I said, Mike, look down there. I mean, it's here's what Mike Vrabel misses during practice. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, a couple of veterans got the Mike Vrabel experience and it wasn't it wasn't rookies. <laughs> it wasn't anything bad. No. It was it was like, hey, how about this? But that keeps you on your toes, whether you're a young player or you're a, a vested vet or you're a star or whatever, is the Mike Vrabel experience can be dealt to anyone. Well, everybody's even. <laughs> That's good stuff. Titans in good place right now. Yes, they are. They're in a good place. They they really are in a good place, and they're they're in a good place uh, organizationally. I mean, I think we all recognize that, but they're also in a good place just functionally right now. Rhett, what's coming up on Titans Radio? Time to start the year, right? It is. The Mike Vrabel Show first edition is this coming Monday at 6 Central, 7 Eastern on all of our fine Titans radio stations, uh, 53 or four of them in three states. So we all look forward to our partners in radio uh, airing that show on, on Monday night. And uh, Coach Mack and I have uh, his show that is cranked back up called Mack Talk on the flagship 104.5 The Zone. And 
Uh, we've been doing that virtually, and it airs on Wednesday nights at 6 Central. We invite anybody to come along to do that, and uh, we'll be working towards uh, games. Three weeks, you know, that's about it. We'll be talking about Denver. I'm going to go back to the Vrabel show for just a second. Vrabel is going to be on Monday night. If somebody wanted to go ahead and submit a question for Mike Vrabel, how would they do it? Do it to uh, the Titans Radio Twitter account, at Titans Radio. That's at Titans Radio, and we will get that uh, question into your hands to ask the head coach. He loves the questions. He loves them. He, I mean, he actually does. He gets angry when we don't have enough questions for him. Yes, that's kind of the Mike Vrabel experience, yes, that's, isn't it? That's when I get the Mike Vrabel experience. <laughs> Because he does not want he doesn't want to hear my questions. He wants to hear your questions, Titans fans. Coach Mack, day off tomorrow, back on the field on Sunday. What's the focus of the next week football wise for this team, knowing that they're three weeks away from the first game? Well, they're gonna start adding things both offensively and defensively. And plus the concentration on special teams, being able to identify those guys for Craig Ackerman, they're going to be able to help him on game day. That is going to be a huge part from here until we get ready to play a game. So layering the offense and the defense, taking that next progressive step, and then finding special teams contributors. Ashley Farrell, thanks for doing this for us here at Nissan Stadium. She always takes good care of us. And Amy Wells will be back on the next OTP unless, you know, she's moved to California because of NFL <laughs> Network. She could be living in Carson City. It could happen. Yeah, she's doing a great job. We're, we tease her, as you would expect we would, but we are very proud of what what she's doing for NFL Network because they can't get people in and out as they once could, and so she's been given a great opportunity, and I think it's great for Titans fans to get that insight from somebody who is unmatched in how she knows this football team. So it's very exciting all the way around. Rhett Bryant, thanks for sitting in. Glad to do it. Dave McGinnis, as always. My pleasure. And for Ashley Farrell, Rhett Bryan, and Coach Dave McGinnis, Mike Keith, thanks our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans for sponsoring this edition of the OTP.